What's up on my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Makashevsky, and I'm super excited today because we are going to talk about breathing. Um, you know, the last couple episodes that I've been doing, the like the shorter ones in my car, we've been kind of focusing on um, kind of like the weight loss, fat loss stuff, and you know, the longer videos have been more so um, like exercise based and rehab based and stuff like that. So, um, you know, as I'm working through my book right now, um, I kind of got into the section of breathing and I started filming some videos for my book on breathing. And I was like, you know what? I need to do a full episode on this topic because it's so vital and so many people um, tend to kind of overlook and glaze over this and it's so so important when it comes to exercise um, staying pain-free lifting heavy and things like that Um, so we're gonna do quite a bit of like hands-on and like demonstrations so all my listeners that are listening uh, through your like podcast player or whatever, Spotify, iTunes, um, highly recommend you hit the show notes and watch this video because we're gonna go through kind of like a breathing sequence protocol and assessment that I like to use in the clinic setting. And again, for all those who are listening and who have not done this yet, please subscribe to my YouTube channel so then you are in the loop for any time I you know, upload something new. Um, I've been doing a lot of exercise tutorials. I'm getting close to 300 now, so definitely check that out. Um, so before we kind of get into the entire assessment protocol, let me kind of explain why breathing is so important. So when it comes to an exercise perspective, we all know like breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, but what is that actually doing? So anytime we breathe, especially with intention, um, we utilize our diaphragm. But a lot of times people, especially now with COVID and a lot of people are working from home, they're super stressed, they're on their laptop, computer all the time, we kind of create a different type of breathing pattern where we kind of utilize more of our upper thorax, T-spine area compared to our diaphragm, which is kind of close to where our belly is. So when that happens, a lot of people get into that point of like, oh, my traps are always tight, I'm always so stressed. So like these accessory muscles to the neck and traps end up being hyperactive by doing this over and over again, taking a inhale. Whereas, you know, our diaphragm that kind of sits right at the bottom or top of the rib cage, whatever you want to um, think about it, um, is designed to do that. But just like any muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. So our diaphragm can actually go into atrophy, meaning it becomes weaker and it takes that much more time and effort to relearn how to use it and that's why you know most people breathe through their chest and shoulders so from a training standpoint now imagine you're at a gym doing lunges squats deadlifts and you're breathing through this stuff you don't have a lot of stability through the body to in order to perform an exercise to its fullest capabilities what does that mean 
I mean, when I deadlift or squat and don't breathe and utilize my diaphragm, I don't create enough intra-abdominal pressure in order to um, safely stabilize my spine. So what happens is now you have like sheer forces that are going to go through places where it shouldn't. And why does this matter if my podcast is about weight loss and health? I always have said this. When... And you know, everyone knows, like, I'm a huge movement person, like, I believe in joint health and all that. So, say, for example, my hip on my right side, out of 100%, it moves at 30% capacity based on how it moves and feels on a daily basis. So now I take that 30% hip into a gym setting where that hip is supposed to do exercises that are designed for 100% hip. How far am I going to get into my fitness and health goals without something happening to that hip? Probably not that far. What's going to happen, and I think a lot of people have had this happen, where you know maybe they wake up one morning, they move kind of weird, and then they're like, oh, why is my low back and right hip hurt? Or you're doing a workout, and then the next day you wake up, you're like, holy fuck, I'm sore, but also I have this weird soreness in my hip and I can't really move it. Or you do like a reverse lunge or a lunge of some sort and you feel like you pulled your hip flexor. All those things, what happens is we have to take time off of the gym. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's two days, maybe it's a week. Maybe it's serious enough that you have to take off two weeks, you come back, but not at full capacity, you're at like maybe 50% of what you were doing before, you start feeling a little bit better and you try a workout at full capacity of what you're normally used to, and that goes to shit, and then you take another week off, and then you have this kind of like, you know, I'm consistent, I'm not consistent, I'm consistent, I'm not consistent, and then eventually that you know, achy hip becomes an actual serious problem, and now you're going to Cairo Physio to actually fix that shit, and it's been three months off of the gym. This is how what I talk about on a anatomy level, movement level, joint level, relates directly to weight loss. Because if I can take an individual that's in front of me that I'm training, or it's a patient, and bring their joints to a point where they're like, you know, 70-80%, so then they have more tolerance to external forces in the gym where, you know, you're doing your lunges, your back squats, or whatever it is, then you're going to now have more days in the gym without taking time off, and on top of that, not taking those days where you're like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do like two sets compared to what I usually do, I'm going to go lighter, and now you're not burning as many calories, you're not moving as much, and in over a year span, that person that doesn't work on, you know, their joint um, integrity, mobility, whatever it is, um, will then end up, you know, less successful compared to the person where they actually maybe implement a mobility routine with their strength and conditioning, so then they can counteract their shitty hip, shitty shoulder, whatever it is. Right, So this is where a lot of people miss the boat because a lot of times when people decide to make that jump of like, okay, I'm going to finally take my health and fitness you know, as my first priority, 
they're probably at a point where they've been inactive for so long that shit is so tight and not working the way it should and then they go into a workout and then they're like fuck my lower back hurts like they're going to be constantly hitting a wall that's going to prevent them to see success and this is why i believe that if you want to see success in weight loss you need to work kind of every single facet of health right like not only do your strength training and conditioning cardio whatever you want to do but also focus on your foundations which is like joint health because that's what's going to allow you to move pain-free and be able to huff and puff sweat and burn calories like it's common sense but a lot of people don't think about that and they're like you know what i haven't exercised in 10 years so i'm going to start running fuck right um so many things so many things like okay i'm gonna go on a tangent right here so I've had this happen so many times where people go down that path where they're like, okay, I'm going to put my health in order. I'm going to start running. They start running and then everything fucking hurts. And then they come see me in the clinic because X, Y, and Z. So I put them through an assessment and I'm like, okay, your right hip has maybe two degrees of hip internal rotation, maybe 10 degrees of external rotation. You have barely any hip extension. And when you do hip extension, your low back hurts. When I test tibial rotation, you have none, and you have a really tight-ass ankle. No wonder shit hurts when your shit doesn't move, right? Like, you're literally jamming a square peg in a round hole, which I always say over and over and over again, and then you're like, oh, I don't know why everything hurts. It's like, well, your body doesn't move, and you're asking it to perform a pretty um, advanced form of exercise, and here we are, right? Rather than like, okay, where am I at? Let's go get into an assessment. And this is why, another tangent, it blows my fucking mind where people will like hire a trainer and the trainer doesn't do any sort of movement assessment, orthopedic tests or whatever it is to see where that individual's at. And then somehow they decide that I'm gonna skip an entire assessment and now here's a program I created on the spot or used on other people that worked for me because I'm whatever and the client ends up hurting their knee. Like, fuck. Um, So where am I going with all this? Breathing. (laughs) Um, When it comes to this whole like movement, foundational stuff, a lot of times in the clinic, like I think all of us, even me included, have experienced low back pain. We've all been there. One of the things that's directly related to low back pain is does the diaphragm work the way it should? So this next section, we're actually going to test if we can breathe properly with our diaphragm. So I'm going to try to get this a little bit lower. I'm going to adjust my camera so you guys can see. All right, so if I was laying down, we're going to get comfy here. So with diaphragmic breathing, you want to think of utilizing your diaphragm. So the diaphragm kind of sits right in this section. So what I like to do in the clinic just to see if people can actually breathe, I tell them to place one hand on their belly and one hand on the chest. And I ask them, Can you take three deep breaths in for me? 
So what you'll notice is that my bottom hand is the only thing that's moving. So every time I inhale, my belly fills and rises, and this stays quite neutral. It still kind of comes up a little bit near the end of my breath, and then I fall. A lot of times when people try to do this, one, they have to really think about it. Two, they'll end up doing a breath like, like literally like their whole shoulders will come off the ground and then back down. So if this individual can't utilize their breath like this, how are they supposed to stabilize their spine if they're trying to deadlift? So we're gonna get into some more breathing stuff um, in a second here, but what I want you guys to do is one, give that a try. See if you can actually breathe through your diaphragm. And if it feels awkward and weird, then we have some work to do. So now if we know that, you know, one, you have to really, really think about it. Maybe it took you a couple reps to actually get there. That just means that your body kind of goes into a default of, um, of a pattern where when you breathe, you're utilizing chest and neck accessory muscles to help create intra-abdominal pressure, which is not the best way to do it. So if you're deadlifting, squatting, snatching, whatever max lift you can think of, you're not protecting your low back. And a lot of times when people do that, um, they end up getting those external forces kind of just through there. Whereas if I take a big uh, belly breath in, it's going to kind of prevent and kind of create a safety belt around my spine. So when I teach someone how to do that properly and then place them in front of a barbell to deadlift, it almost becomes like an insurance policy that when you lift this thing up, your discs are not going to shoot through your back and you know end up on the gym floor. So... This is why I feel like so many people are kind of missing the boat when it comes to training if they don't know how to breathe properly, right? So when we also create that um, proper diaphragmic breath, it kind of fills our entire um, torso and kind of like that lower back area to create like armor or that safety belt as I was talking about before. And if I squat, deadlift, whatever it is, then my, my spine is good. But now imagine if I didn't have that and now I do a squat, you know, the load is on my back, it's going through my spine and it will literally kind of get right into where my low back is and that's putting strain on it. And a lot of times when people squat and deadlift, they'll always say like, yeah, my back gets sore after. And that's not the best way to utilize that lift. Um, so the other thing too is like when you actually use a proper breath, you're stimulating a lot of good stuff. So when you look at anatomy, um, where your diaphragm kind of sits around that T10, T11, T12 area where your spine is, it's actually like surrounded by um, some tendons and ligaments that also attach to your hip flexor. So your hip flexor actually inserts right behind where your diaphragm sits into your hip. So now imagine a diaphragm that doesn't expand and contract properly. It just kind of gets stuck there, stiff, and then it's sitting right over top of the hip flexor, 
and you have all this fascial lines that kind of surround that whole area that haven't been moved. So what happens when you don't move something becomes stiff. So wouldn't that affect the hip flexor that connects to the hip? Most likely. So now we have a diaphragm that doesn't move, a stiff hip flexor, and usually those people who have that sit at a desk all day and it's like a double whammy on a tight hip flexor. So now you're an individual who can't breathe, a tight hip, and then again with your hip when that's tight, you usually have low back pain. So it's like three things all connected together. And a lot of times when I get someone in the clinic where they have low back pain, the first thing I teach them is how to breathe. And one, you know, when you have low back pain or chronic low back pain, it kind of has that overall signal in your body of like being high alert, like red flags everywhere and everything tends to like get you triggered and you're like super tight everywhere, right? So if I can get someone to breathe, not only are we like reteaching how to, you know, get the diaphragm to move, but how to stabilize the low back, but also loosen up um, the hip and also, you know, when the hip is a little bit looser because the diaphragm is moving, the low back eases off. But the other thing too, um, every time you breathe with your diaphragm, you're stimulating something called your vagus nerve, which is responsible for lowering your stress levels. So if we can do that, and you're one of those people in chronic pain, and you're literally stimulating a natural thing in your body to help you downregulate, that's gonna help quite a bit. Like, a lot. It's going to help a lot. So like breathing <laughs> influences so much, so much. And if you think about it, like if you look at the, like uh, martial arts, like every movement is accompanied by a breath, right? And when that movement is solid, that breath influences how much power it can generate. So if you look at the UFC and listen every punch, every kick, every hold, everything that they do, they have a strong breath and intention towards it, right? So um, if I can get the diaphragm going, it's like golden for so many things. And it's just taking that little bit of time. So now when I see people that, you know, maybe are amateur lifters and they're looking to improve their squat and deadlift and they come see me, one of the major things I'll ask them is, okay, how do you create tension? Like what's your bracing strategy? And every time I ask them this question, most of the time I just get weird like looks at me and they have no idea what I'm talking about and I'm like, okay. So that means that every time you squat and deadlift, which is a lot because usually these people are going to the gym at least three days a week and they alternate between bench press, back squat, and deadlifting or some sort of variation of that. And I'm like, okay, so every time you do this, one, you're hitting a plateau because that's the other reason why they're seeing me because they can't get past, well, I can't get past 170 pounds on my deadlift. And when I see them deadlift, they have like zero breathing, it's just like all over the place. So now if I can tune their diaphragm to expand properly, it just gives them that much more, you know, power generation to lift that weight off the ground. So now what we're going to do is test the diaphragm in so many other different positions because the diaphragm doesn't just push forward out of the belly. 
it actually pushes out and surrounds this entire section. So when someone actually breathes in properly with their diaphragm, it expands all around their um, belly to protect that spine. So how do we test to see if someone's actually doing that? So one, we already covered this guy here, where we're lying down, hand on, belly, uh, hand on the belly, hand on the chest, deep breaths in, you know, for three, awesome. But now we gotta see if you can actually expand laterally. So an easy one is getting people to lie on their side and like, you know, head can be supported by the other hand, uh, other hand, and then this hand up top, we're gonna come down. So like, these are my ribs. Like if I poke, it's not very nice. But when I get to like the bottom, where this is like the edge of my ribs here, in this little like area where your like obliques are, and then this is the top of my hip. So I have the space where my hand is gonna fit. So I have my fingers in front and also my thumb behind squeezing. So if I take a deep breath in, I should be able to elevate my hand up and then back down. So if I took a deep breath in, so watch my hand again, deep breath in. So you'll actually see it lift up. So my diaphragm is pushing up forward and also back. So when I'm holding, I should feel my fingers expand forward, this little crevice um, go up from uh, my belly, and then in my thumb I should push back a little bit. So I just tested my left side. I'm gonna do the same thing onto my other side. So if I'm on my left side here, testing my right, same thing. I should be able to do the same amount of um, expansion. So I take a deep breath in. Now, the interesting thing, so hopefully you guys did that at home to test. And I want you to really, really pay attention and see, and you can even film yourself to kind of get a better representation of it, but feel and see if you can expand on both sides equally because that is super important because I've seen in the clinic and with clients who've presented with a lot of low back pain while deadlifting and things like that where when I try to get them to breathe, they expand very well on one side but then you flip them over and it's like barely there. And I'm like, come on, like do it. Like you can, you can get there. And, you know, as much as we try, it's just not getting there. So I'm like, okay, so we have this huge, like, energy leak. Like, you're good everywhere else, but this one little section, it's not, it's just not going. And, you know, imagine a knight with its armor, and this one whole section is just exposed and everything else is good. Like, that's a huge disadvantage in battle, right? So similar with um, exercise, if I have this like exposure of no um, stabilization, then one, I have a huge energy leak and now I have the opportunity for um, sheer forces to go into places where it shouldn't. So now the final thing is if you can actually expand your diaphragm posteriorly. So literally the back of your back should expand. 
And a lot of times people have really, really huge troubles being able to do this. And that's why like a lot of times people end up getting with low back pain because maybe they learn how to expand forward. Maybe the side's not really there and then in the back it's like zero. So how to test that, again, we're gonna end up lying on our back. In this position, we're gonna take both hands underneath where our low back is, where we have that natural curve. And from here, we're gonna slowly push into our fingers so we have now contact. And now if I take a deep breath in. So again, you saw my belly rise, but as my belly was rising with my diaphragm filling um, into my low back, I felt my fingers being pushed down by my low back. And not because I'm actively pushing it, it's because every time I took an inhale, that expansion is pushing into my fingers. So give that a try. Now, being able to do that in every single direction is normal function for the diaphragm. And a lot of times, if I get someone brand new to exercise or chronic low back pain and I try to get them to just lie on the table and breathe with one hand on their belly, one hand on their chest, that usually doesn't happen. So there's no chance in hell that their low back posteriorly in their paraspinal area is actually getting any at all. So now this person who has like zero capability of breathing is going to the gym doing heavy loads most likely because everyone listens to the ego and they just want to push more weight with like zero core stability and wonders why their low back, hip, SI joint ends up hurting, right? So this is the foundational stuff that people really, really, really need to focus on. I'm not saying you can never like lift heavy, but like practice this breathing stuff, like use this as part of your workout, like find different positions where you can breathe in and challenge yourself, right? Like there's other ways to test breathing. There's other ways to train breathing, but a lot of times it's just because we live such stressful lives and we sit all day and we've learned how to breathe differently that's ineffective. It's just part of what I see in our society today and as much as we want to improve our health, like we have a lot against us and we need to take the time to understand it and take the time to actually work on it compared to like, whatever, I'm just gonna join CrossFit and burn a lot of calories, right? It's just training smarter. That's all, all it is, train smarter so then you can be pain-free and see the results that you want. So I'm gonna end it there because like, I could probably go for another 30 minutes on breathing alone but I wanna keep this relatively short. Um, if you guys have any questions about breathing or how to improve it or what to do to um, you know, translate it into certain lifts, then feel free to reach out. More than happy to answer your questions. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel. I wanna really kind of push forward with my YouTube and possibly in the future kind of create a more um, polished YouTube show on training and things like this. 
Um, I really want to hit a thousand um, subscribers because that's going to help my kind of channel boost into like the search engine so more people can find uh, my stuff. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you guys for constantly supporting me. Uh, the show's coming up to its five year anniversary, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure five years. So um, super, super cool. Um, new ebook is almost done. Think I'm also going to print it. It's got to figure out some logistics around it, so stay tuned. Also, in the show notes is a pre sale sign up. So, if you haven't done that yet, put your name and email down, and you will be notified the moment the book is ready and you can get it first before anyone else and at a special discount. Uh, that's it from you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Until next time.